When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The names behind the numbers. The stories behind the names. This is the Her Hoop Stats Podcast with John Little. It's a real issue. There are people that stop to think, how am I offending this person? How am I offending that person? You know what? Truth is offensive. We can either be non-offensive or not tell the truth. The biggest newsmakers, the best storytellers. The Her Hoop Stats Podcast. Here's your host, John Little. It is time to do it. It is time for the Her Hoop Stats Podcast. Welcome in. I'm John Little, your host, and it happens to be June 15th, my birthday. Yes, my birthday. Today is my birthday, so thank you for spending it with me. There's nothing I'd rather be doing right now than releasing a podcast to you on this Monday and just celebrating with you. Uh, my friends, and I will say this, that over the last year, I have gained so many new friends in the women's basketball industry since getting involved with Her Hoop Stats, since you know meeting people through Twitter, if you will, my Her Hoop Stats compadres, those guests that have come on, those interested in the guests that have come on. A lot of new friends over the past year, and it's definitely something to be thankful for as I turn that imaginary page to a new year in my life. Uh, make sure and rate and review the podcast. It always helps when you do that. Just a quick little plug on Apple Podcasts if you get a chance to scroll down there. Give us a five-star review. Let us know what you think of the show and also how we can make it better. As always, you can reach out podcast at herhoopstats.com to let us know. So about a week ago, the greatest thing happened. Florida State reached out to us and said, Coach Sue Samara would like to be on the show. And we're like, uh, yeah, absolutely. 
almost 500 wins in her career, a national coach of the year, three elite eights, what she's done on the floor. Uh, you can't top it, obviously, at Florida State. There's no reason why you wouldn't want to talk to one of the best coaches in the ACC. Let's do it. But even more than that, she wanted to talk about the current state of events and the task of a coach having to talk to her team and, as you'll hear in a second, getting to talk to her team about these events and about how she can do better and about how the world can do better as well. These are challenging times for anybody, but these humble leaders in the sport of women's basketball that want to do the right thing and want to bring the conversation forward, foster it, and not let it die just with this moment. That's what we need right now. And that's who Sue Samarao is, and we are so grateful to have been able to have this conversation with Sue Samarao. I know you're going to enjoy it. Absolutely. My pleasure, John. And I've been starting with these discussions, you know, kind of, we thought we had seen everything Mm. when it came to COVID-19. We thought we had seen everything when it came to probably racial injustice as well. I just want to get a sense of before Memorial Day for you, COVID-19, it's certainly not in our rearview mirror by any stretch of the imagination, but were you kind of starting to find a normalcy or a groove to your life at that point? You know, I don't think so. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's been, um, I really believe that yeah, as I look back, things are changing hourly in our world. And, you know, in athletics, it, you know, we can't do the things that, that we love to do. And so, you know, we're trying to create a number of scenarios, uh, based on what's going to happen next without any idea what's going to happen next. So I wish I could say I had, but there really isn't a normal. You know, I was hearing somebody talk about leadership during times of crisis that, it's really hard to look ahead and say, this is our goal. This is our long-term goal when you don't know, Mm. (laughs) you don't know what things are going to be like. So you just got to lead for the moment. What does that look like for you during this time? And I know it's an off season time, but, but what does that look like for you with, uh, with your assistant coaches and your players? Well, I think, uh, you know, when we look at the events that have occurred in the last 10 days, uh, really George Floyd's, his death, uh, highlighting it all. Being a leader is somebody, in my opinion, that is going to deal with the moment, but create conversations around the moment. And that's what I've tried to do mm. is it's, I can't look in to say, here's going to be our goal. Gosh, we've been talking about years and years and years and years of oppression. So that's a hard thing to say. You can't look into a crystal ball and see what's happening with COVID. And so it's really just being our best in the moment and building relationships too. I think that's a leader's job because through these times, if our relationships become stronger, we become stronger. Do you remember how you first found out about the death of George Floyd and what your reaction kind of was? I, I remember what it was for me. I, you know, like everything, I just was scrolling through Twitter and I was like, there's no way this can be real. There is no yeah. way. But what was it like for you? Yeah, exactly the same. Um, no way this can be real. And I did enough um, digging to make sure I could see the the video in its entirety once mm. it was out. 
and and force myself to watch that because I think a lot of times the media wants us to see clips of what's going on and the clip it doesn't even do it justice. You know, having to watch a man suffocate and cry for help and watching someone with their hand in their pocket and then later on kneeling on the neck and then later on realizing, I thought, where are those other two guys? There's four of them. Where are those other two guys? And then seeing from the backside that they were had a knee on his back and on his legs, uh, just shocking, absolutely shocking. And um, something that I know is, is working to change uh, in a different way than maybe we've ever changed before what's happening in our country. It certainly brought the nation to its knees. There is no doubt about that. And um, especially with all the emotion that we've experienced having come out of COVID-19, not out of it, but to in the middle mm-hmm. of it right now, it's this unique flashpoint and it, and it certainly makes everything so raw. So how early did you get a chance to start talking with your team and realize that this is something that you've got to, you know, actively talk with your team about? Well, we had had a, a Zoom call scheduled. And so I was able to, on that day, communicate with them. Uh, you know, it was a, a Zoom call where we were going to talk about return to play and where we were with COVID. But certainly, you know, we started off with something that's much more important than COVID. And I talked about the emotions that I was having, but as a white woman, uh, I couldn't even imagine what the emotions were of uh, our women of color and ask them if they would feel uh, comfortable enough to share them. And they were tremendous in their vulnerability, their willingness to open up, to educate a lot of us on on situations that they've had where they've experienced racism and why this is such an important time uh, for them. Uh, It was, you know, we've been having these talks for years now, (laughs) and this isn't new. This is something that we've had before, and then it scabs over. The Mm. wound scabs over, and it's time that this became a daily conversation. You're right. We do let it scab over, over and over again, uh, for whatever reason, whether it be a news cycle or whatever the case may be. Maybe, um, you know, in the short term, maybe justice gets served and we feel good about that and move on. I don't know. What are what are your initial feelings about and maybe some feelings that you've heard from your young women about how we can make sure that this stays top of mind and this doesn't scab over? Yeah, you know, I I think that it probably scabs over for those of us that are white. I don't know that it ever really scabs over for people of color. And and to think about that um, now is just heartbreaking. And I think it's important. One of my players texted me today about having the conversations and and appreciating that. And my response is, please hold me accountable on a daily basis. You know, we've we've got to continue to have these these conversations. And you know, I, what can we do? I, it's a it's like a barge that's out on the ocean right now, and it 
it's not a motorboat. It's not going to turn a quick turn and go back the other direction. It's a barge that takes time and energy and force to turn. It's going to take a while. And I don't know that we can do a whole lot. I think we're America and we want things quick and easy. But it's not going to be quick and easy. It's going to be education. It's going to be voting. It's going to be um, continuing to talk to the younger generation. I don't, there's a lot of people that are set in their ways. I don't know that that it can change uh, in our lifetime. But I sure hope that we can make a direction, make a turn, try to make uh, a difference in, in this time and, and in this place. You know, there are a number of people who believe and I'm not calling anybody out in particular here. It's just I, I know there are a number of people who believe that we have fixed the problem of racism in this country. That's something that's <laughs> in the past. MLK yeah. did that. Thank you so much, MLK. Let's mm. uh, yeah, let's uh, let's move on here. Everybody's on equal footing and we're just mm. and we're just marching forward. Isn't America great? And it's hard to change minds, isn't it? It's, mm. it's hard to change mm. core beliefs of people, no matter how right or wrong that they are. And I don't know. And it's one of those things where maybe it takes something like this. And I hate those words coming out of my mouth. No, I know. I, I, a man should not have to die in this situation, but, but it, it's got to be shocking enough to jolt somebody out of that thought. Well, it's what so many of us as white people have been told that this isn't an issue anymore. And unless you are outside of your white bubble, there's no reason to believe that it hasn't because that's what you're told. That's what you're taught. And it is a systemic issue. And we, as a, as a country, have done a poor job of educating in our history books. I mean, period. And so when when those things don't come up, when they're not taught, it really goes to to show that, you know, what we do, we need to think. We can't just believe everything that is put in front of us. We need to make sure that we self-educate, that we we are in areas with people that are from different cultures that don't look like us, that we walk in each other's shoes. You know, there's a, a guy by the name of Miles McPherson who wrote a book called The Third Option. And the first option is me, the second option is you, but the third option is we. But he talks about how do we continue to come together and to realize what each other's lives are like. And it's such an important thing for for the health of our country, for the health of our hearts, and you know, for the for the health of the world. And I just think about the statement, we've got to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and being mm. in that space where we just don't know. And and I'm sure that that was, you know, in a way, I mean, you know, this is, this is what you have to do. You have to talk with your players openly about this. But at the same time, that's probably an uncomfortable situation for you. How did you try to facilitate some open discussions with your team uh, about this? What were the questions you asked and and how did it develop? Well, first of all, you said I have to, and I think it's a privilege. I get to. I get to have these conversations because it changes me and it changes the the people that maybe don't have a, a background in in being a person of color. And so it's it's a, a privilege to be able to be in this position. I 
And again, this is not the first time we've had the conversation. We have these conversations, but it's been more yearly. You know, it's not something that we'll talk about enough. And when maybe Trayvon Martin and the tragedies, you know, Ben Crump, who is the attorney for George Floyd's family, is a Florida State grad. You know, we get the the privilege of being around great civil rights leaders. So I do think that because there's a history of that in our program, that players are more willing to open up automatically. Uh, I think the people that feel the most uncomfortable are the white players on my team or the internationals on my team who haven't heard these things before, you know, maybe weren't a part of these conversations that we've had in the past. But I can tell you that those people are are the ones that are saying, man, how could I have been so ignorant? How I've learned so much just coming from a small town. One year in college has just opened my eyes. And isn't that what college is all about? And we get that opportunity as coaches to lead those discussions. And we change so much between the ages of 18 and 25. I think of uh, that's hmm. always my argument. And no, no, uh, no offense to anybody that's, you know, married to their high school sweetheart. But that's always my argument <laughs> against the high school sweetheart thing. You you change so much between 18 and 25 in so many ways. And that yes. includes opening your eyes to things like this. It's such you don't know everything and you don't even know what you don't know. And. Um, I, I was going to ask, you know, what, what are the impact, what's the impact of the conversations on your players? Let's start with those players who have their eyes opened, you know, mm. to some of this, what do you hope they get out of it? And, and how do you hope to encourage them along the way with the, you know, with the challenges they face in, in, in understanding? Well, some of the, the most impactful text messages that I've gotten, uh, have come from former players, one who grew up in a small town in Nebraska. Uh, I think the entire population was white. And she just texts to thank me for having these hard conversations during her time at Florida State that she now felt like she was much more equipped and that she immediately reached out to her her black teammates and black friends to talk about it and to talk about how sorry she felt and and also just to say hey i'm standing with you those are the things that that are so impactful for me just having one of my players say at the end of the conversation hey if if i were to get pulled over by a cop the first person i would call would be coach sue and that would be because She's a white woman in power who has my back. Well, I've never thought of it that way. I've never thought I had the ability to protect in the way that she was mentioning. And so those, those things are coming out. The, just the whole idea, the concept for some that there still is racism, the, the fear in internationals of it's going to be white versus black now. How are we going to manage this? The the conversations that you can have with biracial student athletes, you know, where they've never felt like they fit. And and the people listening to them for the first time and saying those things and to make sure that in all of it, 
that relationships are built and they understand that each and every person is important. Each and every person is special. Each and every person needs to be heard, but also we need to hear. And that's not something that happens a lot. And, you know, we, we read, we read uh, 140 character comments and we think we listen that way. And that's not it. It's, it's conversations where we really stop and listen to one another. And I tell you, I, I've had some of those conversations here recently and I was, I had just a lot of stored up and I couldn't figure out what it was. Uh, you know, obviously part, part of it's anger, part of it's, I, I one of it is just sadness and guilt. And uh, that's, mm. that's, that's what it is for me. And I had some of those conversations with uh, some of my African American or, or mixed race friends here recently. And it just helps when you're able to, talk openly about something and I don't want it to be that my sole reason for having the conversation was selfishly about me I wanted to tell them how sad I was that that shouldn't be the way it is but if we're going to sell this to somebody <laughs> you know mm-hmm. opening up your mind I promise you you will feel better at the end when you have a conversation with somebody you do love and that you do life with or you've done life with in the past it really does does help you so uh, that's yeah. kind of an anecdote, <laughs> but well, no, and that and that's brilliant. And I do think, though, and we talked about this today as a team. There's going to be chaos, you know. There's not. It's not going to be, you know, sunshine and roses. Oh, let's listen to you. I understand. We need to to have some fiery conversations. We need to be able to have some emotion in them, because I think that that's where the biggest bonds are formed. Is when you've maybe gone through some hard things and some hard times. We're visiting with Sue Samarau, and I love what you've said so far. I'm curious to know, you know, what this has brought up in your African-American players. You know, have you have you heard some more stories than you've heard before about, uh, about their experience? Obviously, you've heard some of those uh, along the way. Uh, but what's impacted you as far as what your players have gone through in their own lives? Well, you know, right now, I think there's a, a huge emphasis on black men, and they've all shared that fear for uh, their father or their brother or their uncle. I've started to hear more stories about now African American women going through some of those same um, really scary situations with police, especially. Um, not just, but, you know, being pulled over, not being told why. Um, they have been now taught as well that how is this, how are you supposed to act when a cop pulls you over? As a white person, yes, our heart's beating out of our chest because we're going to get a ticket. But it's completely different for them. And I, I was really impressed with the fact that now black women are are really experiencing this at a higher rate and uh, that that I didn't I didn't know as much yeah I didn't realize that either and whatever the case may be more coverage of it in you know more videos of it whether it be a Philando Castile mm. or now George Floyd or or whatever the case you know you've got these these graphic interactions with police no matter your gender how could you not you know transpose mm-hmm. that into your own life. There's no question. That's right. I know you're a strong supporter of activism for your um, players on social media. And I know that 
Uh, I'm sure that'll even grow from this point. I, I'm wondering, in your evolution as a coach, has it always been that way? Have you always kind of given your student-athletes free reign to do what they feel is necessary on social? And that's a great question. I think, um, you know, because I've coached without social and I've coached now with social media. And uh, so there's been an evolution in that. Uh, and I remember early on coaches taking away social media from their players and, you know, being afraid of them saying something that would hurt the brand. Um, a lot of coaches talk about distraction. And, you know, I do believe that there is some some truth to that, that we spend so much time filling our minds with other people's thoughts. But I do think that it it is their their mechanism for expression right now. And there are hurtful things that come out on social media all the time. You know, we had a, a football coach last year who wasn't seeing a lot of success. And just the comments that you know, were posted on Florida State football social media was it was devastating to read as as a part of the Seminole family. And those types of things I don't want these young kids to experience. I don't I don't want somebody to be able to get onto social media and and judge their experience of a of a basketball game uh and have them read that and believe that. And but it's reality. It is what the world is now. And I think as coaches, we need to continue to to learn Gen Z and realize that we we have to be educated on what social media is about, uh, what some people use it as a brand. Some people use it as expression. Um, it, it's it's evolving. So I think we need to continue to educate ourselves. No, you're absolutely right that things have certainly changed surrounding social media. I certainly remember as social media was getting introduced, it was the absolute devil for coaches in some cases, you know, just saying my players won't be on social. And, uh, you know, I just, <laughs> I, I remember football programs, you know, that just totally shut down players from being on social for months on end, you know, till the end of the season. So it, it is interesting to see how that has changed along the way. Um, you've got that unique perspective that you have, uh, alluded to multiple times, you're a Caucasian head coach, and you're, you're listening to the fears and the frustrations of a uh, a player base that is heavily African American. Um, do you think you've gotten better as a listener over time? And if so, what's helped you be better? Yeah, no question. And I, I'm sure that it is the video content that we can see with our own eyes what's happening. And I think there's so many ways to explain something away otherwise, but what we see is so powerful. And I, I believe that, you know, we can't see it sometimes through stories and we need to see it visually. I believe that, uh, you know, the, the growth of, of so many of us has become so evident because people have access to phones that can take video on social media. Uh, and I think that it just, it breaks down barriers uh, that maybe were there before because somebody 
had experienced it and someone had never seen it. So those are the things that that I feel um, really blessed to have the opportunity to work in the environment that I do and try to understand, try to, I will never understand, but try to empathize in the best way that I can. If a college coach came to you, maybe they're a little bit younger or maybe they're seasoned like you as well. It doesn't really Mm -hmm. matter. But if a college coach came to you and they said, Sue, I see what you're doing. I'm proud of you. I'm just having trouble doing that with my players. Where would you start with them Mm -hmm. to, to kind of encourage them along the way? Well, that's a great question. I I believe personally that players will not care how much I know until they know how much I care. And if you were asked me my philosophy of coaching, that's it. Uh, and I need to know them. I need to understand them uh, just to be able to coach them individually. They are so different. And they have different backgrounds. They have They have different ways of learning. And so I would start with build relationships. Take the time. It's it's vital. It's you, you can't really talk with somebody you don't trust unless you know. And I think that's part of the world is that he, as humans, we we just long to know and to be known. And we don't take the time to do it uh, enough. Uh, I don't think anymore because of the, the ease of uh, quick communication, a text message or a Snapchat. And we have to have, um, you know, face-to-face conversations. The hashtag. I I didn't think I'd have a hashtag conversation uh, this year. Um, (laughs) But here we are. The hashtag Black Lives Matter has become, it's a dividing line, I think, on Mm. on Twitter. And it's kind of a dividing line just with programs right now. I I feel Mm. like, and, and, and maybe we can just talk this out and see if you feel the same way. That, uh, you know, many, uh, most programs have put it out there, but maybe ones that don't might be fearful of sponsorship dollars getting lost or something like that, Mm. Um, donor money uh, getting relinquished. Are are we about to see a situation where college athletics, pro athletics, it just doesn't matter anymore if you stand for something and you know it's right, you can't worry uh, about the money here, right? You just, you just got to go through, (laughs) you just got to go through and and do it because I feel like in previous situations, even back to when WNBA players were, you know, wearing black and taking a knee, that was still a huge point of contention. I was just talking with Pokey Chapman about that, about, about losing sponsorship dollars with the Indiana fever when her players uh, took a knee or right before she got there, I believe. Uh, Mm -hmm. So longest question ever. But but where do you feel we're headed there with with the money and teams publicly standing up and, and publicly putting out their um, hashtags like Black Lives Matter and and thoughts uh, about racial injustice? It's a great uh, point. I, I, the issue is real, but it is not really important. <laughs> it's it's a real issue. There are people that stop to think, how am I offending this person? How am I offending that person? And you know what? Truth is offensive. And if we can either be non-offensive or not tell the truth. We had a Zoom meeting with any student athlete from Florida State that wanted to be involved last night. And I just really was impressed with our administration for putting this out. And uh, our Athletic director sat and listened 
and answered questions and listened to the athletes, one of the questions that came up was exactly that. You know, how does this, do you think about the boosters? Do you think about the money that could be lost here? And he paused and said, no. Well, that is a big answer. And he had to turn around and give that big answer to our board of trustees today. And now that he's given that answer, now we need to put our money where our mouth is and continue to to talk about the truth that exists. So I'm really proud of Florida State for that. And I'm proud of the way that they are listening and and learning and trying to understand. I mean, I think with the NIL be coming into effect in January, um, there's going to be opportunities for players now to use their name, image, and likeness to to make money for themselves. And this now is going to be a point of contention with, hey, are you really worried about these sponsorship dollars that I've been working to bring into the school for so long? We have to talk about truth. You have to support us. Well, I'm really glad that uh, I brought that up. I don't know why it came to my mind, but I'm I'm glad that there's been some some recency there that we can talk about for sure at mm-hmm. Florida State. And I'm sure it's a discussion that's being had at hundreds and hundreds of uh, NCAA programs around the country. Coach Samuel, you've just been outstanding here on this conversation. I, I so appreciate it and um, can't believe we've spent 30 minutes talking about this one subject, but it but it needs to happen. And um, I, I look forward to talking to you a lot more down the line about this and other subjects as well related to women's basketball. Well, John, thank you for being willing to have the conversation. That that means a lot. And you appreciate what you're doing for, for women's basketball. We love it. We love it. And we can't wait till it returns. So we're, we're looking forward to Amen. that for sure. <laughs> Amen. That's Sue Samaral, the head coach of the Florida State Seminoles. So appreciate her time. And for Florida State reaching out to us, it means so much uh, to have her on the show and to have her talk so deeply about some of these important and in some ways difficult to talk about issues. But every single time we get those words out of our mouth, we we take this scrambled up mess that's going on in our brain, the confusion, the hurt, the pain, and, and we put it out there and we talk it out. Every time we do that, we are getting closer and closer to who we need to be as humans, as long as our intent is the right way. I truly believe that I got better through being able to have that conversation with Coach Samurai and really appreciate uh, her extending the offer. Coming up next week on the show, a great friend of mine, Jay Lee Mitchell, the head coach of the University of North Texas women's basketball team, talking about, my gosh, so many layers, a life in basketball. She went from a player at Duncanville High School where she was teammates with Tamika Catchings way back then to probably the greatest player ever in University of North Texas history to going on to two stints as an assistant at North Texas, plus a stint uh, under Karen Aston at Texas, to now the head coach of the University of North Texas. She can talk about it from all sides, and we'll get into it. 
I'm really looking forward to bringing you that conversation. And I had a lot of questions uh, for Coach Mitchell that I'd never gotten to ask along the way. So I'm excited to be able to bring those to the forefront. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. Make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. Download those last five episodes. That always helps us. That helps other people find the show, which is so important these days. The executive producer of the Her Hoop Stats podcast is Aaron Barzilai. Our announcer, Susie Solis, and our music by Jared Deck, jareddeckmusic.com. I'm your host, John Little, reminding you at the Her Hoop Stats podcast, we are unlocking better insight about the women's game. Her Hoop Stats. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.